0: Yeah, I mean, the first thing to me, you hit right there as you grab that question up. It's about authenticity. Can, you know, can I see you? Can Are you going to allow me to see who you are? Are you going to be able to be open and vulnerable enough to to tell me what you don't know, to tell me, like, what you want to learn, what you're aspiring towards? Can you open up to any degree? If somebody's too buttoned up in an interview, I get a little nervous. Lost again, looking right through. It's intercepted.
1: Welcome to the Shark Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm an NFL veteran of eight years, and now I'm an author, leadership and personal development coach, and international speaker. In this podcast, you will learn strategies to get unstuck in life and find your influence. You will hear inspirational and value packed stories from former and current elite level athletes, successful entrepreneurs, and experts in the field of personal development. My mission, is to help former elite-level athletes find their identity and utilize their influence to create a life of impact. Peter, man, hey, thank you for being a guest on The Shark Effect. I'm excited um, because we had a conversation years ago, and, you know, we were just talking about it, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking to, like, I don't know the impact that you made on me, but it was huge. And I know I'm not the only cat, you know, that that you've impacted like that with your words and your presence. But, man, I just want to like, man, thank you for being a guest on the Shark Effect.
0: Oh, I appreciate being here. So good to see you again. Alex. Yeah, so, man. i fired up for a little time with you. It's great, man.
1: Cool, yeah. man. Well, it's been yeah. a long time. And, you know, um, you know, years ago, I first, started, well, I, I retired from the NFL. I was still trying to figure things out. And I remember getting—I um, was able to, to secure a job at Nike World Headquarters as a personal trainer. And then one of the yeah. guys um, that we both know and love, Matt James, he had told me. He said, "You need to connect with our with the VP of what was it training? What was that? What was? Um,
0: yeah, it was I had like a few categories, but yeah, the performance training side of it was one of those categories I was covering in. Exactly. I had football, baseball, training. Yes. And like the base layer. Yes. Yeah, so I had a number of different businesses. That's exactly right.
1: And this, yeah, yeah and this mm-hmm. is when Spark, right? This was, Spark was like really big. So this is like in oh, oh 09. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 09, 08, something like that. I know it was early on.
0: Yeah. It was real early. Yeah. Yep. It was about there. It was right now. Oh, seven, oh eight. I would say. Okay. Perfect.
1: And so I remember, man, finally getting on your, I I had to go through your, uh, your admin. Um, Mm -hmm. it was Kelly. Is that Kelly?
0: I don't know. That was Kelly. It was Kelly. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so I reached out and then I was able to secure like 30 minutes with you. And I remember going in there, not knowing what to expect. I went in there and you kind of knew a little bit about me. And I shared a little bit about me, you know, being uh, playing professional football and man, I'm training now. And I'm just, I'm just here. I'm here to, to, to work. And I remember, man, very simply, all you, I mean, not all you did, but you said, Oh, that's great. Alex is, well, it's good to meet you and whatnot. What do you want to do? Mm Mm-hmm. And I was shook. I was like, "What? No, no! You supposed yeah. to. You supposed to tell me what I supposed to do. It's <laughs> not my choice. <laughs> what do you want to do?" And I was like, uh, uh, "Uh, what?" And it just it had me go to the to the drawing board to figure out, like, man, you know, number one, what do I want to do? Um, and I was still figuring out like who I was, but that was just something yeah. that really hit home with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah.
0: i knew at that time you know you were in a transition right so i was sensitive to that you know you're coming off of a whole lifestyle that's been built around your ability to perform at a high level and then suddenly you're pivoting into the unknown right yeah. and you still got a lot of life you know and there's a lot to do and so it was just a matter of trying to trigger that in you that uh it was a good time to be curious and open and Look inside yourself, right? To yeah. Try to find the answer there. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad it lit you up.
1: Oh, it, it did. It lit me up. Yeah. And then I, I I don't know how how much longer or past that, but you had you had like a project, kind of created a project for me, and it was about like yep. with jerseys and you know the NFL guys and um yeah. you know kind of getting
0: yeah what what we thought was what we thought was and you nailed it. You came back with the plan. It was really cool because. You know, in a very short period of time, you came back with the plan and it was really uh, creative. But the idea of it was a lot of guys that come through their schools, you know, not maybe if they're like U of O doesn't need this, but high schools, you know, Mm -hmm. or a small college, that type of environment. And a lot of them like to give back. And Nike was providing merchandise to the players anyway. So how about if some what if some of that merchandise could be actually that allotment of merchandise funds could be used to buy uniforms or donate uniforms to your school. That was, that was the idea of it. Like it, it felt like a natural tie, a way to then, you know, put the, put the athlete back into a giving back mode, but in a way that isn't real difficult for them, you know? Yeah. So that was the idea of it. And you, you scripted it out pretty good. I, don't, I honestly, cause I left the company in a, a short time after that. So I'm not really sure where the idea went, but I liked it. Oh, I, well, thank you. It, it
1: got buried, so yeah, it got it got buried. It's Nike. Yeah, it's Nike. It got, it got buried, but uh, but yeah. it kind of gave me something like with with purpose. You know, what I'm saying like, oh man, you know, it yeah. really, yeah, it really started me thinking about you know about different things and and how I can be an asset. You know what I'm saying? How how do you be an asset? Right.
0: Yeah. We, 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 what's possible, right. As opposed to, otherwise, you know, it's hard to get that unless there's something that can help trigger it. Right. Or somebody couldn't help trigger it. Right. That's the key thing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Mm -hmm. So spending all your, I mean, your time man building brands and whatnot, what are some of like the principles that you often go about? Like when you first start, okay, you have an idea or an idea is presented to you and it's about like building that brand. Is there certain steps or certain um, um, a filtration system that you kind of take it through?
0: Yeah, I think that there's um, there's a process like everything right? Yeah. There's a way you want to go through it and and the process can lead you to good outcomes if you if you take the right steps. But the first thing is to really explore the why. Why would I want to do this? And also, why would anybody want me to? You're looking for that gap. You're looking for something that maybe has been brought into being or has been under leveraged into the past. You know, I mean, we we take a familiar space like Nike, you know, Mm -hmm. with Phil. You know, he just saw that gap between, you know, like high performance footwear you know, good places to supply them from that are economical to get the most value and then do a great marketing campaigns and great marketing efforts. He just saw a little formula there. So what I get excited about is looking at the why we want to do something. And usually it comes through some of our own experience Mm -hmm. or something we learn from somebody else. And then it's about architecting. How do we bring that into being? What's going to be the formula for success for that? You know, what are the things it's going to take? So I work a lot with startups today and I love doing it. But a lot of it has to be where you slow them down a little bit. Like, let's make sure we're really grounded because the brand and what it's going to manifest into the core idea and how it's going to play itself out has to be really, really slowed down, studied to make sure that you're taking the right steps to bring it into being in the right way and expressing it in the right way to the public you're trying to serve. So I love it because that's one of the things that gets me excited. There's two things that get me excited. You know, one is architecting brands and businesses like that or concepts within a big brand like a Nike. And then the other is like building teams, you know, watching people come together against a mission like that. You know, those are the things that I get most excited about in work.
1: I like that. So, so talk to me about, because yeah. that's very interesting, um, talking about building teams. When you're building a team, what are some of the the key attributes that you look for for those individuals um who are who are um looking to be in the in those different positions or who are um you know maybe they're already there and they just need a different framework but how do you start about building a a team
0: yeah I think it um you first have to be very, very grounded in where things are at, right? So you don't want to, a lot of people come in, especially executives come in and they try to shake stuff up really fast. Mm -hmm. You know, and you've probably seen that in your playing career too. The new coach comes in. Sometimes they move too fast. It's like, slow down. Let's make sure that the gifts of everybody that's already here can be recognized and understood and embraced, right? And then maybe some are still for the team in the future, maybe some aren't, but at least you've got to get the lay of the land. And what are they thinking? What's the culture like? Um, My most recent corporate endeavor was like that. I came in and um, it it was, it was really unfortunate because the team, the morale was like at the floor. Hmm. They felt disempowered. They had no energy. So I knew that job number one for me was to, you know, be a leader, like come in every day with enthusiasm, encouraging them, making it clear that they were in control of the outcomes they were in control of the things that we did, you know, to try to build that team. But I also had to assess people. How am I going to assess them if I don't get that energy up, mm, right? Yeah. So I've got to get that going. I've got to get people interacting, get the get the interactions going. And then from there, we can start to say, okay, what's missing here? What do we need? You know, what type of talent do we need? And then whether it's through my network or anybody's network or outreach of different kinds, how do I attract people in? And then how do you build a you know build them into it to where we can all buy in but we're going to buy in because a lot of us have different perspectives different backgrounds in many different ways so that we're not homogenizing things But we're we're bringing a team together that can handle conflict yes. I mean, that's one of the biggest things the ability to come in and come together and be respectful of each other and handle conflict so I do a lot of assessing character, right? You have to, like, how are you going to treat others? Are you, are you going to be the type of person who can put your ego aside and be able to embrace others? Can you collaborate at a high level? You know, are you motivated to do the work? Are you going to get at it with passion? You know, you, we've got to be able to find people that all have that formula, but then where, wherever they come from, however they get there, man, it, the broader the point of view, the better, because we're going to just learn a lot more there, you know? So if that makes sense. I, 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 right? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sir.
1: And I kind of want to dive into this because you talked about something that I think a lot of people, um, they don't look at it this way, but like most of the time we look at when we're trying to get into these different positions, we look at our experience, right? Our experience like that, wherever I've been and I've had success at, you know these different organizations these different companies these these big fortune 500 companies and they look at that but yet they ignore or it doesn't come up until it by someone but but they look at character character when you boil it down is who you are and this is something i, yeah. I you know I, I look at my own life first and i look at what type of character that i used to have what type of character am i now what type of character do i want to have in the future But we we are in control of that, and there's people who can change your trajectory of your life based on your character. So I just want to dive in a little bit of that. Like when you're looking at people, I don't know if the interview process or whatever, but what are some of the top things that you're looking at in terms of character? Because I think there's a lot of athletes, former athletes, who have these different character traits that are so valuable, but yet. They don't really pay attention to them, those, those athletes. They think that they have to be something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first thing to me, you hit it right there as you grabbed that question up. It's about authenticity. Can, you know, can I see you? Can, are you going to allow me to see who you are? Are you going to be able to be open and vulnerable enough to, to tell me what you don't know? To tell me like what you want to learn, what you're aspiring towards. Can you open up to any degree? If somebody's too buttoned up in an interview, I get a little nervous. If they uh-huh. have all the answers already, they've been they've been doing this too much. Oh <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. So I want to get into more of a conversation. You know, I can read a resume. I can say, yeah. okay, you did these things. And I'm I can probably check on that a little bit with people that maybe are in the network I have that could verify some of that. But I want to know what it's gonna be like working with you. I want to know what it's going to be like you know, when we come together every day. Are, are, are you going to have a zest for what you're doing? You're going to come in with a good, positive energy. Are you going to have the, enough confidence to be vulnerable? Right. Are you going to be able to embrace your teammates and accept their ideas and partner with them and help them on their ideas as much as you want them to help you on yours? You know, so I'm looking for people to have those that type of integrity Uh, that really comes from like really owning who you are and being able to bring that every day. Right. If you're trying to masquerade it, that's, that's job. You know, that's the first issue that we're going to run into and it's going to reveal itself. We don't want that, you know, Yeah, it's okay to not know something, but it's not okay to try to hide it.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh, I love that. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. Not to know something It's not okay to try to hide it, man. That's
0: right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one that so, um, I
1: love. That yeah. it sounds like a principle, man. That sounds like a principle that you know that you talk mm-hmm. about. Um, that now I'm looking at, I was like, man, do I do I follow that? And I tell my kids. Yeah, So I start everything for me. It starts foundationally. So it's do I do it at home? And I tell, yeah, right. I tell my kids, uh, yeah, yeah. Just don't try to hide. Don't try to lie. Because I was that dude. I was that dude. You yeah. know, when I was 13, yeah, yeah. I was shit, 19, I was, <laughs> you know. We were all that dude.
0: <laughs> it takes some seasoning. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, getting, and getting caught a few times, you know, when, when you come home and you know you've been up to something you shouldn't have and somebody in the family is looking at like, I know what you've been doing. Yeah. Right. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) And same in work. I mean, you know, it's like you got to perform. It's just, you know, what I love about athletes and anybody who comes from a performance culture is you got to perform. You know, like there's a deliberateness to everything you do. There's a, You know, everything is really tracked, monitored, measured, feedback loops, coaching, support systems. That's really a blessing. It it creates a very familiar thing. But if you can take that performance mindset, Mm. you can go anywhere with it. You just go anywhere with it. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for people. I'm looking for that performance mindset. I'm here to get things done. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to make myself and my team better. I mean, those attributes, those characteristics just shine. You just people like that always grow, you know, they always grow. I
1: love that. Mm -hmm. So, so you talked about culture and I want to hear not just about like, man, your best cultures, but I'm interested to hear like maybe, maybe a story or something that like I've been around teams and when we start the tank like there's, it's one or two players that, that, they create the culture. They're in a leadership position because maybe they're experienced, but man, they start talking negative and then they start having those, uh, we call them like, uh parking lot conversations. And then that can start to kind of like uh, dig in or tear away, man, the culture that you want to create. Has that ever happened? You're, you know, any like Individuals, you you know, I don't want names, but like different different things that they... I
0: found myself there. I mean, I found myself there before, right? So I think there was especially a time uh, mid-career at Nike where I'd been promoted into a very big job. There was a lot of tension in the company. The company wasn't doing well then. Mm -hmm. And I I found myself really a bit closed-minded, finding myself kind of poking at senior, people senior to me, to my peers, to my subordinates. And, you know, fortunately, I caught myself. Oh. So I'm like, I can hear my voice. I'm like, this is not who I am. This is, but, but you know, sometimes you fall into it. You're not intending to. Your intention was to do good things mm-hmm. and make everybody better. But you were caught up in kind of a negative spiral, like you said. And that's usually not me because I've always been like a team captain type person. My dad was a coach, you know, so I grew up in in the positive mindset. But all of a sudden, you know, about six months into this new job that was somewhat overwhelming to me initially, um, I was in this mindset. And so I needed to change something. I, I needed to go check myself and approach things differently. So my answer at that time was I started to practice yoga. Oh. As random as that is, I started to just go into something mindset wise. Okay. I was also traveling constantly. Mm. So the yoga was helping me to, you know, just to feel better especially helped me get over jet lag wherever I was landing. It was something I could do wherever, whenever. Uh, but it was mostly just recentering me so that, you know, I could come in with the right positive attitude again and not carry that negativity, that slumped shoulder kind of eh, negative yeah. in, you know, because, you know, your mood pre- presets the things you're going to say. You know, <laughs> like if you come in in a down mood, if you have a low level of zest, it's going to read across to everybody there before you even open your mouth and then you know as a leader then once you open your mouth it's oh you you can't bring it back
1: oh you know can't bring it back so
0: i you can't bring it back so i definitely course corrected and it, it i could tell the difference i felt better the team started doing better uh everybody got more aligned uh all the way through so i've been there myself and then certainly as i see it in teammates or subordinates in an organization i feel like my leadership style is a service orientation like I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to have any opportunity to ever manage or lead someone. So if if that's a blessing and a gift that somebody has put me in a position to be able to do that. And if that's the case, then I need to be that caregiver. I need to see those people. I need to partner with them. And if they're getting off course and they're getting negative, I do need to step in and say something, right? Mm -hmm. I, I need to step in and try to coach them up, pull them aside, have the private conversations. that's, this isn't you. This isn't how you want to be, you know, and try to get them to see it so that they can change it.
1: Mm, love that. So you said, you know it's yeah. a blessing to be able to lead. So on the yes. flip side of that, what's the curse? Yeah, what's the curse when it comes to 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 leadership?
0: That's a great question. I think yeah, having grown up in the hierarchy of corporate America, the curse is that you know you fundamentally, Get uh, isolated, and you have to fight hard not to, right? Isolated. So the reality. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Because you know the the team, all of a sudden you you have a control over people's destiny. Mm. Like you know that's a real deal. And by having that control over their destiny, you've got to be very very thoughtful about you know how they're going to interact with you. How do you disarm them so that they'll tell you the truth? They'll tell you what's going on. They'll let you into meetings and not try to. Shield you from things because that's a natural way that people start behaving in the hierarchy because it's so ingrained and so learned, if, if that makes sense. Mm. So all of a sudden, yeah, you feel like you are um, disconnected in a way. Um, and, you know, the other thing that, that can happen to many and, in, in, you know, like it's not for me, honestly, but, you know, you get caught up in the power trip of it. You got to be careful. Your ego doesn't get in the way. And I, I've seen that way too many times, you know, and it's pretty normal. Yeah. It's it's not easy to stay very connected and very grounded and and stay in a in a human way of being sometimes when you know you you've got a lot of power and you can use that power and we see how people wield it in poor ways all the time. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah.
1: No, you're exactly right. right. Wow. So mm-hmm. so does it like tell me, man? When you first got started, like what was your first job? Like forget Nike, but what was your first job?
0: Oh, you don't want to go back that No, boat. I want to like, go back.
1: Come you know, on, you man. Know, the
0: the first time I started working was I was a bait boy for uh, boats on the Pacific Ocean off the Oregon coast. So uh, a bay boy? bait boy? A bait boy. So my job was to help bait boy. Okay. You know, so we we had charter boats and you know, you would there's a captain and myself, right? And I'm I'm like 13, 12 years old. Okay. And we we take like up to 6 people out to go fishing for salmon. And, you know, I'd help them to get the, get the bait, you know, get the fish on the hook, okay. and put the, the, you know, the line in the water as we troll. And when they catch something to help get it in and get it, get it off the hook and get it into the ice bucket, so to speak. So that was actually the very first uh, job I ever had because my dad te- worked in the school district. And a lot of the people doing that because it was a summer job, a lot of them were, uh, were teachers. So it's easy for me to go out to the docks and and jump on a boat and and you know you make pretty good money doing it for a kid in the summertime. Okay, you know that's so right, cool. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. So I I worked in the sawmills and I worked yeah sawmills got me through college. Okay, for the most part, summer job in sawmills and plywood mills got me got me work and you know the thing you know for me that I reflect on and having been an Oregon native on the coast is like you know, those jobs don't exist anymore. The fishing jobs don't exist anymore. The, the timber jobs. I mean, the resource, those resources are long gone, which is a tragedy all of itself, you know, to see if we can generate some of that back. Yeah. But I grew up in the nat- in nature like that. And then, uh, you know, when I got to, when I got down to, when I was going through university, mm-hmm. um, I was, I was just waiting tables. So service jobs, you know, to try. And I did research for, uh, for the Bureau of Business and Economic Research at ASU, got, Got that going for me. And then Nike, straight out of college was Nike. Straight
1: out of so, college.
0: Yeah, 27 years there for sure. It was so what was your place when I started. I love it.
1: What was your first <laughs> job at Nike?
0: So they hired me in to um, be the one to head up uh, or set up a, a program for testing products. You know, okay, so product a rigorous testing. rigorous way of like product testing. We didn't have that department. It didn't exist oh, okay. in the Beaverton headquarters at the time. We had group you know, leaders for each of the different categories, running basketball, tennis, whatever. But they wanted some, one person to organize all the testing being done, all the feedback that could come in, even from college teams at the time or pro players at the time. You know, being just a recipient of any type of critical feedback around the product and organize a way to do that. So I was able to get in there and build a small team, mm-hmm. um, you know, staff to be able to do that work and start that function in the organization. And then my next job after that was to do, uh, to build baseball, football product lines. Okay. So, uh, then I got into being a product line manager after that. Cause by then I had the basis to, you know, I knew the product inside and out, you know, I mean, not to great depth, but enough to, to be able to talk to the manufacturers or talk to the engineers about what to do, what problems were, and maybe what to do to make them better, you know, that type of work. So So getting a
1: foundation of like, man, where you a foundation of the product and who and who it serves right with the athletes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm getting in that. And then product line manager. And then from there, because I yep. know there's a now certain, a certain uh, yeah. matrix, right? There's a certain matrix that you that you take. Um, yes. Did did the things that you that working on a dock as a as a bait a fish? thing, what is it? Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: bait boy. Bait boy, yeah, it was bait boy. There weren't any bait girls back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: bait, bait boy. <laughs> Faithful how how did it. that help you yeah. when you was a, when you first started it off? He's like, man, you doing all that crummy stuff on the Pacific Northwest Coast. How did that help you in in Nike and doing some phenomenal things, leading some great teams? How did that how did that help?
0: I think it did it did two things to me because a lot of the work I did at a young age was, you know, hands-on, pretty intense. Uh, pretty rough. And I think that the reality is one thing it did, man, I was going to ace my classes. I was going to do good in school and I was going to not be doing that type of work much longer, you know? So okay. there was a motivational component to it, but it also reminded me that there's no work that's beneath me. It's not possible. Love like it. I can do what the, what the job requires. I'm not afraid of it. I've had to do these things. I've had to do these things and was to hold me back from doing things that are much less, you know? So even, even being more of a senior person in an organization, but being willing to, you know, help people set up for a presentation or carry bags of samples or any of the things that need to get done. Eh, it's not, it's not beneath me. In fact, it's I, I embrace the opportunity because it, it takes me back to my roots. It's like, this is how the work gets done, Yeah, you know? And you, you know, can't always just be one standing around directing people. You got to be, with them, you uh, shoulder to shoulder, right? Yeah, you have to.
1: Oh, I love that, man. Yeah. It's just to hear your 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 answer to to this. Being in a leadership role for a majority of your uh, professional life, what principles do you take from your professional life and incorporate to your personal, or vice versa? Like, what are those things that you, you know, leading yourself or your family at home personally? what are some principles that you've taken from that area and then applied it? And it's maybe you still have the same success or the same failures in your professional world.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot that one thing that happened to me about the time I started doing the yoga and trying to wake up there, I actually started to do youth coaching and work with youth sports organizations. Okay. And, um, you know, one of the things that helped me a lot was going out there and, coaching a bunch of five-year-olds for an hour or two after work. And it started to ground me in, in like human nature again. Like, you know, we're not that dissimilar from who we were when we were five years old Yeah. and how we get, you know, how you treat people with respect, how do you communicate transparently show that you are um, caring about them, show that you're coming from a place of love and respect, you know, those things it's like, it kept reminding me what I need to do at work. Cause it was the same type of things and it, and it helped reinforce the things I needed to do at home, you know, yeah. cause you know, I think about rallying cause I'm an introverted person. So for me to, to have, exuberance. It takes energy. You know, yeah. I'm not an extrovert where it comes naturally. I mean, I tend to be an introvert. I read a lot when I work out. Sometimes I go off on my bike on my own with my headphones. I'm not like in a group, you know, it's I'm that person, but then I'm also the person who grew up playing a lot of basketball, love the game, you know, so I'd love the team dynamics as well. But the fact is for any occasion, showing up at work, showing up in a meeting, coming to the dinner table at home, I've got to show up. Mm. I've got to bring that energy, always bring that energy and show that I'm here. I, I'm i open and um, I'm coming from a place of love and respect mm. constantly, you know, and that's to me that that's uniform, right? Yeah. I don't want to come from a place of power. Others can do that. I'm not going to, that's not who I am. Yeah. You know, I would never want to do that. I think that diminishes people and I would never do that to them. Mm. You know, yeah. it doesn't mean I'm going a, I'm to a shy away from a hard conversation. Yeah but I'm going to do it coming from the same place, you know, Yeah, yeah. and that could be with my kids or that could be with an employee that lost their way,
1: you know? Mm -hmm. So tell me about like, when you do have to have those tough conversations, is there a certain way that you approach it? Do you have like a, okay, I'm going to, I got to make sure my feelings are out of it. I got to come, you know, the words, I have to be very intentional with my words and, and whatnot. Like what does that those conversations or like that conflict that you know it, it happens, it comes, right? How do yeah. you go about that? What type of mind frame? I
0: think the my mind frame is to make sure that what I'm seeing that that other person's seeing. Oh, right? Okay. Because if they're not, I don't I don't want to surprise them with something. So I have to first probe to find out if the awareness is even there Mm. that if it's a performance gap or an attitudinal thing or whatever it might be yeah are are you aware you know first thing is are you aware of it how do i get you to be opening up with me you know and having a conversation and then i want to i want to humanize it like it's not like everybody makes mistakes everybody gets off track Everybody has things to, they have to recover from, they need to have the resilience to do it, yeah. you know? So then it's like, how can I, if I, if I can't get you to see it, mm-hmm. then we're in trouble. Cause I can't, I can't help, you know, coach you in fixing it. You're not, you know, you're going to be blocked. And so, but normally I do pretty well at that you know, and being able to get people to see it. Cause most people really know where they're at. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And if you can disarm them enough to just own it, then you're going to be okay. You got a chance. And then there are situations where there's separation and those are never fun. Um, but what do you mean same by same that? Time, you,
1: by separation? You know, meaning
0: that I'm going to, I'm going to have a conversation and you're not going to be on the team anymore. Those oh, okay. Right? <laughs> okay, You know, where it's like, we're, we're done here. And yeah. you know, to me, I'm, I always try to come with as much empathy as I can. Mm-hmm. And I always try to um, make sure that uh, the doors open for them to follow up as a transition okay. and try to make them understand, like, let them understand that it it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that um, you're, you know, it's going to be up to you, but you, you're going to be fine. You know, mm-hmm. but it's not that opportunity is not here now for whatever those reasons are, Yeah, you know, and I want to make sure they understand if it's, if it's something performance wise, why that is, but if it's something economic that's out of their control, it's out of their control, you know? Um, and, and it happens, you know, it happens in, in every uh, walk of life. Yeah.
1: You know? I about to say, <laughs> yeah. man, you sound like you make a great GM, Peter, you know what I'm saying? Like a, a GM of a, of a team yeah. because the conversations that I've had, when I was, you know, yeah. um, let go <laughs> or released yeah. or whatever you want right. to call it, we fired if you want to yeah. call it. It yeah. was more Hey, call it what it. Is. it, what yeah. it. They come up yeah. in there. That conversation is like about a minute long. Hey, I got your airplane ticket. Thank you for being a part of this team. Good luck. You. God bless. And but it's you and know I'm, it's I'm not
0: that guy. <laughs> I think it's like to me. Um, What's the problem with that is, it's fundamental that you can be that curt and that short, but you're also being really short-sighted because you're severing a relationship. Mm. And who knows? Yeah, right. Who knows what the world's going to bring? You know, like I value really working hard on reputation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's reputation is one of those things like trust, right? Like you you can bust your ass your entire life to earn a good reputation and blow it one time. Yeah. And that could be enough to just really set you back. So to me, I'm very careful about thinking about that. Again, when somebody does something like that, the way you describe getting cut from the team, they're coming from ego. They're like, I don't have to waste time with you. It's done. And it's like, you're just severing a relationship. You sure? Yeah. You sure you want to do that? Because you know? yeah. <laughs> they're le- they're leaving you, you're already feeling bad. And they're feel- all they're doing is leaving you feeling even worse. Oh. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah. For real. Wow, that's good stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. But, well, Peter, man, how can how can my, my my listeners get get more of you, man? Can I know you're on LinkedIn? I'm gonna have your, I'm gonna have the um your your link in the show notes, but um so they can follow you on LinkedIn. Any any other places?
0: Yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big social guy. I don't do a lot on LinkedIn or anything posting or things like that. Okay. But anybody that wants to reach out to me, the easiest way to do it is, is probably through my LinkedIn. Okay, uh, happy happy to have them reach out there and just make a connection and send me a message. I always follow up, so uh, love to do that. And I. You know, I, I I live in this world to try to be helpful to others because that kindness uh, just feels right to me. Yeah, it always does, always will. You know, that's good stuff, yeah.
1: man. Well, well, Peter, man, yeah, um, cool. I want to thank you. You know, number one, yeah, being on the Shark Effect, that number one. But number two, man, is like you, you know, following up. You just said it when you follow up to me yeah. back in fifteen years ago, and just having a conversation with me. And just asking me questions, really asking me, well, what do you want to do? Like that sparked something in me to try to find out more about who I was, but then also, okay, what am I good at? What can I learn? And because things are not going to just be handed to me. And a lot of us athletes, man, we, we do stuff and we think things are supposed to be automatically given to us. And, you know, having more people like yourself that can just ask questions you know i'm very yeah, uh, i'm very appreciative
0: yeah oh, of course i remember one time mike Shashevsky saying that because i was running the basketball business for nike at the time and we were blessed to have him come on board and um you know he, we were talking about the grassroots side of basketball and he goes we're doing too much coddling you know and it it is it's like there's a lot of like you know just trying to get get the buy-in of the athlete with these high school kids right
1: with these high school, yeah, kids. with high school, oh kids. boy, yeah, and,
0: and you're, you're you're creating a mindset of entitlement that, and I feel bad because a lot of those those folks they they live inside that system until it breaks for them, yeah, you know, and and then they don't they haven't really learned the skills or had to earn things from an interpersonal standpoint or from that character standpoint that we talked
1: about. Mm, yeah. So
0: yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of the the systems in sport tend to do that and it's, it's really important that we help our young athletes to to see through it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're being treated you're being treated like gold, like I got treated like gold because I was a Nike executive. Yeah. Well, you know, don't be naive. When I'm not a Nike executive, <laughs> it's a different world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still <laughs> me, but yeah, people are like,
1: "Oh, you." Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Cool. Yeah. well Peter man, I love to have you on again, man.
0: Anytime. Anytime at all, Alex. It's so good to see you, and uh, hopefully we get together together in person here soon.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend, and if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening.